This is another episode of Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Skip Stewart, Vice President and Chief Improvement Officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. Hey, everybody. I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital DeSoto. And hey, everyone. I'm Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Well, today I am so very excited to have two of my really good friends, Dr. Lou Flaspolar and Dr. Chris Bernheisel, joining us today from Cincinnati. Go Bengals! And, you know, we're excited to have them on. They have been so instrumental in uh, helping us get started with TWI job instructions. Uh, Folks within Baptist will know TWI stands for Training Within Industry, and we're very involved in what's known as JI, job instructions. But uh, Dr. Flaspolar and Dr. Bernheisel, would you uh, introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, thank you all so much for having us. I'm Lou Flaspuller. I'm a rheumatologist here in Cincinnati, the head of the Department of Rheumatology for the Christ Hospital. And I'm a TWI lean zealot. So I've been on this journey for the at least the last 10 years in depth and really going back much further than that. And with that, I'll hand it over to Chris. Yeah, hi, I'm uh, Chris Bernheisel. I'm the interim chair for Department of Family and Community Medicine at University of Cincinnati. And I've been working with Lou for, I'm not sure how many years now, um, but his energy and excitement about TWI and JI um, excited me and I've been working with them since. Well, Lou and Chris, once again, thanks so much for being here. And we, we get really excited when we have other other physicians on the, on the program. So once again, welcome. Um, you know, over the past year, year and a half, Jake and I on this podcast, there's, there's a recurring joke that comes up and it has to do with uh, suture. And I want you guys to know that, that y'all are very instrumental in that running joke and i first met you guys back in the fall of 2019 at the twi summit in oxford mississippi which is right down the road from my hometown i was very very new on my continuous improvement journey and we were sitting at the same table and i was telling a story about uh just a day or two earlier i was doing a lap coley and on my closing suture they handed me the wrong suture and it was the same. It was a monocryl instead of a vicryl that my partner used. And instead of blowing up like sometimes I had a tendency to do, I, I was very proud of myself. And I was sharing with you guys that uh, I decided to use this as a teaching moment. And I said, I'm not going to get mad, but I want you guys to know that, you know, if y'all had standard work and if you looked at the, uh, if you looked at my preference card every time, you would never you know get this messed up now i'm going to use this suture but uh you know that's something that you guys need to do and we talked a little bit about standard standardization and reducing variability and i was so proud of myself and i think it was you lou you said well wait jeff have you ever thought about you and your partner getting getting together and and deciding to use the same suture and that way you would take that take that totally out of the equation and i was like hmm I never really thought of that. And so that's the, uh, Jake, that's the origin of the, uh, well, of the recurring just, I just want you to reassure the audience a year and a half later, you're on the same sutures now, right? I still am using the same suture because <laughs> it's just because my partner won't, he won't agree to switch, you know, uh, of course, my, my suture, <laughs> my suture, <laughs> no, 
but but anyway, once once again, we are we are so glad to have you guys here. And you know, we've talked a little bit about training within industry, and we talked a little bit about JI job instructions. Why don't Why don't you guys tell us tell our audience what exactly job instruction is? So job instruction is a, a program that came out of World War II, out of a program that was put together by the government called Training Within Industry. And the way that evolved is that as we, the United States, entered into World War II, we were coming off, of, we were still in the depth of the Great Depression, and you had these manufacturers that were barely surviving. And all of a sudden, we dedicate ourselves to be the arsenal to the Allied forces, meaning we are going to produce the machine guns, the uniforms, the tanks for the Allied forces over in Europe. And so we go from these this manufacturing base that is just barely surviving, just skeletons getting by. And all of a sudden, this refeeding of um, orders come in in waves. And they start hiring people, including minorities, um, women. And you've got this all-white male workforce back then with all of the prejudices we have today compounded that much more. You bring them in and with a very, very high volume, and we had just garbage coming off the lines. So going back to things that they learned in World War I about how to get people working together very well, they created training within industry as a program to help bring companies up to speed. And ultimately, they developed the three JI, or the three TWI programs, job instructions, which is how do we break down processes into the most efficient and effective manner? And how do we bring a new learner up to mastery in the most efficient and effective manner? And these were built in a train-the-trainer method so that the trainers from TWI could go out to the 16,000 companies that they ultimately taught these programs and leave each of the companies with their own trainers to spread the work. So, you know, both HF and I have, have taken the, the TWI JI class, and I think as physicians going through it, you know, we immediately reflect on our residency training um, and realize how much different it was compared to what we're learning through JI. Uh, it's always, you know, it's see one, do one, teach one, you know, sometimes even less than that. Um, can you all talk a little bit about the work that you've done with uh, residency training in, in JI or, or, or at least reflect on, you know, maybe just start with how physicians are trained versus uh, the TWI, TWI method? Yeah, I'd be happy to take that. Um, Goodness, I, I think um, Jake, you hit upon the nail uh, nail on the head there, which is um, it, our training during residency training definitely does not match job instruction. It, it's at best see one, not do one, all. teach one, and we we often we fall into all the traps that I think we see that JI really tries to get out. One is that 
instead of giving just a standard approach for how you learn something, we give you every possible method that could be there as quickly as possible. Um, so we're going to talk really fast, give you all the different options. Along the way, we're going to give you every explanation of why that might be interesting and why you may be able to do it. We'll describe it, and then we'll say, all right, you got it. And as a, as a resident, your response, of course, is, yes, I got it. And now I'm going to go do it. And you fail miserably. Um, and I think our, our traditional training is we give a lot of information that's not, not there. And so when we learned job instruction, it, I think we – Lou and I, and then uh, some incredible physician, clinician, educators, Lou, Eleanor Glass, Hilia Rugg, afterwards we walked out and said, oh my gosh, I've been doing this wrong this whole time. I give way too much information. I don't have a standard approach. I, 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 I barely even show them what I'm talking about, and then they're off to do it. And so it, it was just eye-opening. And so what we did is we really got energized for our residency training for family medicine and said, we got we to gotta implement this. We got to tackle some of this. And so what we searched for were some opportunities of where some low-hanging fruit that is a bo what bothers a lot of people and won't be controversial, like the type of suture you're using. We didn't want to touch that question right away. That's, <laughs> that's deeply personal. Um, what we wanted to do is tackle something that everyone hates, no one likes to do, and no one's going to feel ownership of it. Um, or feel like, gosh, that's my only way. And so what we, we tackled, we said, is our electronic health record, EPIC. Um, no one likes electronic health records. Uh, no one likes getting trained on it. And the problem with a lot of electronic health records, there's 20 ways to do something, and there's a best, but you're not sure what that best way. And what we saw with our own training for electronic health record was you get, you stick, get stuck with an IT specialist. And I remember my I'm sure you guys can all reflect on the stories too. Mine was, I got stuck with the IT specialist and they spent a good 30 minutes showing me how to enter vitals. <laughs> and that was a wonderful skill set that all the doctors right now are laughing at because how many times have we ever entered vitals? Um, ever? Um, <laughs> that's not going right. to be what I'm going to be doing. I'm not going to be entering the vitals. Um, and so it was just a waste of time. And so what we did is we said, okay, what can we do to make it so that our interns, when they start, are working at the highest level possible to be able to do what they need to do. So EMR or electronic health record, EHR, whichever term you use, gets out of the way. And instead you can actually just drive the car, just like we drive the car, we don't think about it, and actually be with the patient and learn as opposed to interfering with it. We thought that was a non-controversial area. People would be excited about it. And a way to start doing JI, introducing the concept of JI to these residents with our hope that will hook them at that point, get them hooked, and then they want more. That, that's that's really, really great and really interesting. And, you know, Jake, talking about my residency, you know, if, if I had eight different attendings, I had to learn eight different ways to close a laparotomy incision. And it was just crazy. It, it was, um, there, there was absolutely no standardization. Well, Chris, tell us, how was that received? I mean, t what what was your first uh, job instruction breakdown or JIB that we that we refer to uh, in TWI? Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we started with the EHR and what we asked was, okay, what are the different areas that each um, that you need to know in order to be able to start the day? And so we created a flow of uh, the different skills, ordering medications, ordering labs, reviewing the chart, 
um, writing a note. Um, and so we created, started creating jibs. The way we did it is we went and shadowed those who were the experts um, and we attempted to catch how they did it. Because um, as we know, everyone who's done Epic knows that there's many different ways to do everything. And we wanted to say, how are the best people doing it? One of the things that we saw was that they often have their Epic set up in a specific way. And so we said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to set up our Epic in a very specific way is the most efficient way that we can find. And then we created, then we worked on jibs and we kind of had wonderful debates on it. And then we went ahead and training and um, the outcomes, uh, Jeff, were fantastic. We, uh, um, at the end of our training for orientation, uh, the following month, uh, we ran a report for Epic efficiency and our interns were beating our third years. Um, the, the top six uh, people were our six interns and it was impressive data. Um, and from there, uh, it was just warmed my heart. I think Lou saw this also was that we encounter something in the residency and what did the residents say, well, where's the standard work? What, what, what what's standard? Why is there not a standard for this? Um, sure. Which was a foreign concept, I think, for a lot of doctors before them. Yeah, it was fascinating along those lines is that, I mean, so many things like that happen as opposed to being a push, it started to become a pull. We also saw the, the faculty turning to the residents and saying, how do you do this? Um, tell me, tell me about, you know, you talk about the medical record in Epic. Did y'all, did you guys expand this into to non EHR procedures? Did you do, you know, starting an IV or putting a central line in or anything like that? Did y'all expand to those areas? So, uh, we, we have, uh, so Hilia Rugg is one of our, uh, she's the program director of our family medicine psychiatry double boarded program. And she, during the training, saw something that none of us saw, which was, I wonder if we can do this for really advanced skills. And what she did was she, she sat down and said, can I actually figure out a way to do a jib for suicide evaluation, for risk assessment? Are they safe to go home or not? And she created a um, jib on this step-by-step -step process. And it really was fantastic because it challenged her to really say, what is it that I'm actually looking for? Where are the... What's that advancing step? What's the key point that I'm looking at for and why? Um, and so we developed it. And we went from this horrible workshop that um, at the end of it, I'm not sure anyone had any skill, to this uh, wonderful uh, JI training that really had um, the skill set at the end of just how you do it. Um, so we did that. Uh, we also have our handoffs. Uh, we do all of our handoffs. Anyone in residency education knows that handoffs are a requirement from the ACGMA. So we do job instruction for all of our handoffs. So how do you do a handoff? Um, Lou Flaspuller, I mean, Lou did a uh, jib on um, doing a knee injection. And I'll tell you, both of the, with the, the suicide training, with the handoffs and Chris you can tell me if I'm misremembering this but my recollection is that that was for both of those it was two hours of classroom training that in essence led to nothing maybe even worse than having taken the two hours they didn't know what they were doing and were confused on everything and that boiled down to about 20 minutes of training with a hundred percent uptake they're hitting the ground fully running as at a higher as high of level as somebody who had been at it for quite some time. 
So, so that's yeah. We do iPass. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so the two-hour training was before you introduced job instructions, and after job instructions was 20 minutes. Okay. Correct. Yeah, we do iPass for our handoffs, and uh, I led the lecture workshop for iPass the first year we did it, and I think I shared with Lou that midway through, I was bored. I was dying, and I was leading the lecture. It's like, I can't imagine how learners are doing right now. Um, and now we do um, a job instruction method for all of our iPass training. And go back to the EHR training real quick. So, you know, a typical class, you know, I, I'm the CMIO, so I, I should know this. And I, I've taught some of these EPIC classes in the past. You know, for some classes, we can go up to four hours or, or eight hours even if you want to do both ambulatory and inpatient for a new EHR. Did y'all, were y'all able to replace that, you know, onboarding training with, um, you know, something shorter with this job instructions method? So actually the opposite. Um, so, yes, we replaced it with job instruction, but we really went down the route of we are not learning it to 50 percent. And I think that's the how what often happens is hey, I got it. I know it. No, no, we're going to 100 percent for each one of these needed skills. And then not only that, then we're going to create an offline line. So we actually have um, a standard setup. All all the interns have the standard setup, all the short keys, everything is standardized. They start off, the, start it off. And then we do training. We do four hours every day for a week. Um, and these trainings are very intense. They're first a job instruction training where we do the um, JI, and then there's going to be practice um, uh, scenarios that we have, cases that they must actually complete, and it builds upon each one. And then the following week, our offline line is actually they become scribes, and they scribe for our faculty. And what we tell them is we have to tell our faculty, like, hey, this is not the time. We don't want you to be teaching why you're doing something. This is your just you are just having them serve as a scribe. Don't ask them why you're getting A1C or what number that you really care about. That's not what we want to do. We want them to be ordering it, want them to be working as scribe. And, and even those offline lines, we had different skill sets we wanted them to focus on. Our goal was that we want them to start in that first day that they are working on a high level. And EMR is out of the, uh, it's not an obstruction for learning and pay, taking care of patients. You know, so they were, the they were efficient right from day one. Yeah, we would, a lot of, prior to COVID, Chris and I on day one would go to the room where the residents come into and would be in there with their preceptors. And we would catch them as they came out of a room. And the question always was, what problems did you run into? So we were looking for our gaps. And I remember a couple years ago, one of the residents, may have been the first resident for that year, came out and said, I didn't know how to write a work excuse. And Chris was just beaming. Man, that is graduate level work. If that's where we drop the ball, watch <laughs> out, right? Um, that's awesome. Well, and, and I know this started out in the family medicine department with, with the family medicine residents, but but within the university and within the, the training programs, has it spread to other to other programs? Because I, I can I can see That's interesting thing as much as we have offered and and wanted to share it, we have not gotten uptake. I and Chris, is there um, is there anywhere? I can't think of anywhere off the top of my head. We're using it in my office, which is rheumatology. Um, but we don't have a residency program. Is there anywhere else you can think of that we've been, despite really efforts to proselytize, uh, 
we're not getting the uptake. Yeah, not the level that we would love to see. Um, just right now, it's, it's really remained in the family mess, and we'll get a little uptick, but nothing that's been able to sustain. It's more of the residency. And but you had so you were working with Baptist on a project, I think, with our residency programs. Can you can you comment on the the work you're doing with us? And Skip, why don't you kind of give us an overview? I mean, you you helped you were instrumental in bringing that all together. I'd love to have you kind of lay the. Yeah, sure. So so basically, you know, we started, uh, you know, basically in the in the fall of 2019 with a tremendous amount of excitement. And we've been continuing to uh, do some work in that area. Unfortunately, the pandemic has controlled what we can work on and when we can work on it. Uh, but basically, we, we started with residents and introducing them to TWI job instructions. And every single resident uh, was, uh, was really impressed with how this could have an impact on the world. Because I think part of the issue is in the world that we live in today, what we think of as training is really just providing knowledge, providing information. But what TWI job instructions does is it really practices a skill. And it uses uh, some things in such a way that you're feathering information into the learner's brain. You're creating like new neural pathways so that they can learn a new way. And we've had a tremendous feedback from the residents that we've exposed TWI job instructions to. And, and they've given us insight about jobs that uh, it would really have a big impact. I remember the last time that we had a residency class I'm not even sure if I told you about this, Lou. It was in uh, April of 2021, and uh, I had a resident. Um, he said, listen, man, I've been a resident for two years. If you would have showed me this on day one, I could have avoided all of this other stuff, you know. And so it was a real eye opener. So when it comes to the work at Baptist, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's not went as fast as we've wanted it to go because of the different surges with the pandemic um, with that. But we have seen great success uh, through other elements of the Baptist management system. Uh, we've done everything from uh, donning and doffing of the Ebola equipment to counting in the OR to starting an IV uh, and many, many other jobs. And we always see that same response, whether it be a resident or whether it be a nurse or some other discipline about this is a whole new way to learn a skill. And it also helps reduce that variation from person to person to person, because a lot of times people are not doing a job different because they're being rebellious or they're fighting the system. Uh, they're really doing it because it's it's what they learned to do. It was it was their neuro pathway of doing things. And we can see that in every aspect of life, right? You know, people do, I, when I drove to work today, I remember asking myself, why does that person drive that way that was in front of me? Well, and after I was frustrated, I thought they were probably taught to drive that way, right? At some point they taught, they learned a behavior and that has stuck with them uh, to this point in life. I don't know if that helps at all, Dr. Lancaster, but uh, that's kind of, where we are right now with uh, with the uh, 
physician, with residents. I can tell you there's a tremendous amount of excitement and we are trying to do stuff with the residents, but it's not a lack of anyone not wanting to. It's really trying to work uh, around the surges with the, with the pandemic. And, and I would imagine, and I, I predict that we're going to see more and more of this within within residency training as we move along. And, and as a surgeon, I can think about uh, I think about how how good this would be for 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 surgical training. You know, and one of the you know, I guess I'm an old dinosaur now, but one of the pushbacks that you get from the old dinosaurs is they hate the word standard medicine or standardization in medicine, but the obstacle that you have to get over is that you have to convince them that, you know, by doing it the same way every time, like Skip said, you're going to reduce that variation and it's actually going to free up your mind to be able to be more creative and think about more important things other than those, those routine tasks that you're doing uh, every single time. Just to give you a story that that you might be able to resonate with is that I didn't plan on going here today in today's podcast, but I will, is um, my wife is a dyslexic uh, therapist. So she helps students uh, that have dyslexia, and I happen to have dyslexia myself. But what's amazing about watching my wife is she's using an approach that sure does look very similar to TWI job instructions. Also, what's amazing is that these students that she's getting range from kindergarten up to 10th grade, and the system has failed them. And many times these students are making C's or lower. And after about 10 weeks, and it takes longer than 10 weeks, it's very common that these students are making A's, straight A's, or A's and B's. And that's always an aha for me that this student that the system labeled one way, you know, once they're taught the correct way, once they're once they're taught how to learn, uh, they can really excel in academia. Dr. Bernheisel, I think you were going to say something. I may have interrupted you. No, sorry, Skip. I was just going to add in there that um, at least in our view, Jibs are not static that should remain that way for the next 20 years. Um, And I think that's what I love about the the ability to work with others. And so one of the things that we have now is during our team time for the residents is they have assigned different job breakdowns that they need to update. And so they take a look at it, challenge, they test it, and able to update. And now that's our new standard that we're going to train people on because they found a better way of doing it. And now that's our new standard. We can't keep on improving a prosecuting process improvement if we don't create a standard and then move and test and experiment some more. So we, the other part of that is we want to standardize those areas that need to be standardized so we can practice the art and the and the areas that require art, not make myself so busy with the other stuff that I can't actually take deep dives with my patients. I think that's a good point about the updating. And you kind of alluded to this when you're talking about coming up with the best approach for a workflow in the EHR and about how you all had some lively discussion about which approach was the best approach. And I can imagine, you know, since I have taught this and you know, I live in it day to day, that everybody does have a, a different approach to how to do a certain thing within the EHR. And so I would love to hear more about how those discussions went, how you all agreed upon a best approach and something that 
is a little bit messier than than maybe doing a, a knee injection or, or another type of procedure. Yeah, let me jump in here. And, and Chris started talking about it, and it kind of, a, a lot of pieces pulled together on things that Dr. Mason has said. He talked about himself as an old dinosaur. So as we build these, what we've always done is, I think what J.I. teaches it, is that we go to the best of the best. Who's at the top of the game? And let's just say for the sake of discussion that Chris was at the top of the game for whatever it is that we're breaking down. I would, and I'm writing the jib, I would watch Chris until Chris agrees that, yes, Lou, you've nailed it. Now what we're going to do is find somebody at Chris's level, another master craftsperson. We're going to find all of the master craftspeople and we're going to bring them together. And to me, this is where it really gets fun because now Chris and I hold up to get up what to the light, what we've put together. And it's almost always torn apart, but in a way that's lifting everyone. Somebody's going to say, okay, well, why did you say this? And sometimes what they're teaching us is that the words aren't right. So sometimes we'll spend five, 10 minutes getting the two words right. But once those two words are right, watch out. Just about everybody is going to get it. But just as importantly, and let's just take for the sake of discussion, Dr. Mason in, in the surgery world and learning those different ways of doing it. When everybody's sitting around that table and Dr. Mason is the best at one particular thing, Somebody says, well, why do you do it this way? And, and Dr. Mason says, why? Now you've lifted somebody. But that somebody also has another piece that you're doing that you're not aware of. And once you put that all together, you've lifted everybody and you made this stone soup. So everybody now is at a higher level than anybody started at. And now we're taking those brand new residents and everybody's at that very high level. So it, the collaboration, to me, it's almost spiritual when we sit around the table and everybody is just giving up. It's just like you're, it's like you're meshing uh, job instructions and job methods. I mean, you have your, you have your jib and then you're, you're, you're looking at, okay, well, how can we even take out waste and how can we make this better? And it always turns out to be something much greater than any individual ever started with. And that idea that all of us are smarter than anybody, any of us. And that story, if you don't know it, of stone soup, where everybody is adding some piece and making something much, much richer than any individual could have done is always just incredibly other, fulfilling. I think the other thing to throw in there is um, – Jake, it really goes to your question is, Lou and I forget this now because we're so thick in it and we don't have this issue nearly as much, but we avoided at all costs controversial areas. We absolutely did not touch areas that were going to be, we had to show proof of concept and then, but if Lou's, if you remember Lou, we didn't touch standard notes. We did not create standard notes. Now there's a riot if there's not a standard note for a new type of new patient encounter. The residents are angry. Um, but we didn't touch it initially because that was too too much. Well, guys, this has been fantastic. I'll, I'll tell one more story. I know, Lou, I've told you this story, but it still sticks with me to this day. 
I remember we did, myself and Patrick Gropp did a TWI job instruction breakdown, uh, had all the experts in the room, had the mannequins in the room, and we did it on what they called counting in the OR. Dr. Mason will be very familiar with this. And I remember being humbled because I remember asking, well, how hard could counting be? Well, uh, it, it's a pretty tough job. And um, and we spent the entire day uh, working through that and uh, road testing it and came up with a, uh, a job instruction breakdown. So we demystified the job on one piece of paper. And after we road tested it, we started to deploy it at this uh, OR. I happened to run into a uh, surgery a technologist at a Starbucks about a month after that. And uh, I asked her, uh, not knowing what the answer would be, so how's it going with that new job instruction breakdown? She goes, it's incredible. I said, well, can you tell me more? She goes, Skip, I've been doing this job for 30 years. I've always done it my way. She goes, but now when I walk into the OR, I can hear your voice in my ear. And I said, well, I'm sorry about that. She goes, but I have this routine that I kick into now, how I lay out the surgical equipment and how how everything works to make sure uh, that nothing uh, negative will happen with the patient. And so that was really impactful for me because it showed that when TWI is done the right way, not just the job instruction breakdown, but when you deliver that job instruction breakdown and feather it into the learner's mind, you're creating these new neural pathways and you're really creating a new skill to help reduce the variation and the possible errors that could eventually harm the patient. So, yeah. well, well, Dr. Bernheiser, Dr. Lee Flaspolar, thank you so much for your time. Can I, can I add one more thing? Yes, to, please to do. Yes, that. please do. So, and Dr. Mason, you brought this up earlier. One of the things that we are really intentional about is that this idea, when we standardize and do it well, it's liberating. Absolutely. Not You're not put into a straitjacket. And skip that story you just told. I think you liberated they're free now, as opposed to. That's so right. That I, so. That's right. Well, yeah, well thank you all so, so much. You know, while we're recording this, uh, the Bengals just won last night and they're going to the Super Bowl. So for my Cincinnati friends, I hope that uh, that y'all win the Super Bowl. We'll be uh, we'll be pulling for the. Uh, the, the old LSU slash Ohio State quarterback, Joe, Joe Burrow. And thank you all so much. I appreciate y'all's friendship. And thank you all for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so a lot, thank guys. You. Thank you.